Welcome to the Daily Illini Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Jones, joined with Gabby Hajduk and Alec Bussey. As always, unfortunately, Josh couldn't be with us today, but we have somebody who's, you know, even better with uh, Isaac Trotter. Um, Isaac, <laughs> Josh knows it's a joke. Josh knows it's a joke. Um, Isaac has obviously covered Illinois sports these last four years. Um, now has moved to Minnesota and is covering all things Minnesota sports. I, I see you doing high school, Vikings, uh, you know, baseball, everything. Um, Isaac, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on. It's nice to see you guys' face again. It's been a while. Yeah, for real. Gabby, Alec, how are you feeling? Just trying to get through this Jerchu 20 editing project. <laughs> Got to find one last thing. Then I'm done. I think it's so weird because I feel like I feel like Isaac's so old because he's out of school now. And now we're all just like worrying about our classes and Isaac's like, what, what are those? Um, but yeah, I feel like we have like two more weeks left and then we're done. And then we can just sit in the house and still do nothing. Um, <laughs> I love how you say, like, you think I'm old, except it was only, like, two semesters ago that I was doing exactly what Alec was doing. Like, a year ago at this time, I'm, like, trying to find, like, one more example for Jean so she doesn't hate me for it. Like, <laughs> it's not that far away. You want to do me a favor and just go publish a misplaced modifier for me, Isaac, so I can just yeah. send me a link real quick? <laughs> Work on that. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, yeah, I, that 220 project, oof. And you know, Gene, you know, Gene is going to read it all. Like, okay, so my favorite um, story from that class is that, so, she, you know, we're supposed to do like that final and she like, she, she's like, you can do a slideshow, but I would like you to like do something more creative. And I'm like, I'm just going to do a slideshow. And when she found out, she literally just like gave me like this death glare. It was like, you're not doing a website like Eli or any other <laughs> like total crap before I even started the assignment. Like, dude, I have like spring football to cover. Like I'm not going to put too much effort into this. Goodbye. Jane. She's Goodbye. always like, be creative with how you present your assignment, which is like great, but I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm making a PowerPoint. Like I'm at home. I'm not like, I'm not presenting this in front of the class. I'm making a PowerPoint and you can read it. And if you want to take off points for not being creative, go ahead. Like Shout out Jean, though. Jean is the GOAT. Jean McDonald. No, yeah, for a shout out Jean. I must be here without her. She brought us into this room. No, definitely. Without Jean, I definitely would not be a journalism major. Like, I was undecided going into that 199 class, and she she came to me. She was like, you're going to be a journalism major before the end of this. And I was. So, shout out Jean. She's, like, the best. So blunt. She's so blunt. No, yeah, for real. didn't give a crap at all. She'll just be like, yeah, this is what you're going to do. See ya. And then you're like, later, later, you're like, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, I remember, like, because me, Brendan, and Alec were all in the same J199 class. And I remember, like, it was, I've told Isaac this story so many times, like, Isaac, Jake, Eli, and I was like, and I don't know who else there might have been there. I'm not sure. And I was just sitting there, and I was like, oh, my God, these, like, guys are so scary. And then Isaac gets up, and he's like, mm, I do this, this. This this, 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 and I'm like, I was just gonna write for the Daily Illini, but I guess I'll do like ten things too. Um, like I guess we'll, you know, be a little. And you did, and you did do ten things, and I did. So shout out Isaac for scaring me into. I remember. You know, like I remember when you told me that story the first time, and you're like, "Yeah, I didn't ever think we were gonna be friends," and then like two weeks later, we're all friends. Like that's how it. That's how it works in journalism. That's why it's great. Yeah, Not for real. Journalism yeah, is the best. Yeah, I mean, luckily yesterday we got hit with some Illini news. Um, Illinois announced that Brian Hightower, wide receiver from Miami, um, 
had committed to transfer. Um, I think over his two seasons at Miami, he had 12 receptions, uh, one touchdown. Um, I looked at some of his film. He's definitely a, uh, from high school, at least. I didn't see a lot from Miami, but he's definitely a, a deep ball threat. He had one touchdown. I watched it. It was against LSU. It was a pretty nice, you know, athletic grab over the defender. Um, Alec, what do you really think about Brian Hightower coming in? Well, I think he – I mean, first of, all, first of all, he's not someone who you think is going to play right away unless the NCAA votes to allow the one-time transfer rule in June. I think that's when they're doing the voting for it. So it gives you an opportunity to plan for depth in the future. And his size – he's taller than Joshi Matarbebe is. He's six foot three. He does weigh, I think, five or ten pounds less. But, like, weight isn't ultimately that important. So in 2021, I think you see him sliding into Matarbebe's role – as an end zone target, someone you can kind of throw it to as a safety blanket. At that point, you're going to have a new quarterback, whether it's um, Isaiah Williams, Deuce Span, or um, anyone else in the roster, whether that's Matt Robinson or even like a Samurai Collier um, that's coming in as a freshman. So it'll be nice for them to have a big target that they can kind of trust and go to. I also find it interesting that he's a kid who, similar to Matter Bebe and similar to Sydney, was highly touted as a recruit, but things just didn't work out right away at their first school, which, whether it was USC or Miami or traditional powerful programs. And you see the talent level increasing. I mean, he was a top 160 recruit. That's pretty high in terms of Illinois' roster. I mean, Illinois obviously isn't bringing a lot of top 100 kids. I think they have one or two on the roster now, and Marquez Beeson and Luke Ford. Um, but talent level is increasing still, and he's someone who you expect to be able to produce for you in 2021. However, if he gets the waiver in 2020 or the rules change for this fall season, there's no reason he couldn't push um, a Ricky Smalling or even a Trayvon Sidney or potentially even Joshie Matarbebe for reps in certain positions or certain spots or situations on the offense. So I think it's a good add, especially because he has two years of eligibility and you see how beneficial that is going to be for Illinois with – Josh Matarbebe or Trayvon Sidney? I think it's almost – you almost kind of want him to have that sit-out – this sit-out year because, Alec, like you mentioned, there's a good group of receivers coming into this season, assuming they all come back healthy and recovered from their injuries. But you have a really good group this year. But then you – when you're looking ahead, you are kind of struggling for depth in 2021. And so I think if he gets that sit out year, you know, watch the team grow, put on some more muscle, you know, you said he's a little taller, but weighs a little less, you know, putting on that muscle, getting in with coach Lou Hernandez, and then just learning, you know, the systems and learning the offense. I think that would benefit Illinois in the long run, but that at the end of the day, if he gets to play next year, you know, no one's going to be that mad about it because he seems like a athletic receiver and, you know, based on all the injuries that happened with receivers this year, you can't, you can't be so sure that they're all going to stay healthy again. So, you know, just having that guy, but then you also have a guy like Casey Washington, you know, freshman last year, going to be a sophomore coming into this year. So you still have a guy like that who kind of started to build at the end of the season. So I think it might be hard for this guy to just come in and, you know, play a lot this season. So I think it might benefit him and the team overall if he, if the NCAA didn't change anything and he just had to sit out again. Yeah. I think that like, I don't think you get a guy like Brian Hightower unless you have the success of Bebe and then the success of all of these grad transfers. And I think like, 
I think Illinois got a little bit of an in now with Miami because they got Derek Smith too, who's also going to be eligible. And now you get Hightower. So maybe those two guys can start recruiting some of their Miami teammates. We know Miami is going to get talent down there, but not all of them are going to be able to play. And some of that's on the coaching staff and some of it's just the way college football is. And if those two guys are starting to push, Hey, Illinois names out there, look what they did for baby. Look what they're doing for me. Like that, that's a really, really intriguing thing. So Illinois really struggled in recruiting, but to keep all of these transfers coming in and get all of this talent that can kind of put the bandaid on it for now. And, and you have a lot of talent that you really need. And if you look at it, like all of Illinois key contributors last year, a lot of those were transfers and next year it's going to be the same thing again, transfer quarterback, transfer offensive lineman, transfer wide receivers, transfer linebacker, like a transfer defensive end with the kid from um, Wisconsin. So it's just like, it feels like Lubby's just like patching all of his holes with the transfer portal, like free agency in the NFL. So it's kind of cool to see that, you know, they are kind of becoming transfer you right now. Yeah. Go ahead, Gabby. I just have a quick follow-up question, Isaac. Just mentioned, like, the Band-Aid that Lovey Smith just kind of keeps putting on. When do you think that, like, isn't going to work anymore? Because what I – football has one 2021 commit, right? The same as both women's basketball and men's basketball. They each have one commit right now. That's obviously a little alarming to me. And obviously you're getting these transfers. So, like you said, you're kind of filling that hole temporarily. But when does that stop working? And yeah, like, I don't, does that I don't, become a problem? Yeah, I, I don't know if there's a good answer for that yet, just because like the transfer portal is like exploding. And I think it's going to be a big part of any Illinois staff for the next future. And it's going to be a big part for a lot of other staffs too, as they start to see that value in it. But you're right. That means you can't just, you can't just punt on high school recruiting and just go for transfers every year. That's just not the way it's going to work. It's not basketball where you can get three guys and fill your starting lineup. For football, you, you have to have 22 guys that can start and you need about 42 that have really good depth. So I think they've done a decent job in, in building up their base on the offensive line and defensive line in the last couple classes, especially the defensive line. But all of these offensive linemen, you could lose like your entire starting lineup after 2020. So I think where you could start to see like the lack of recruiting, you're going to start to see that in 2022, I think especially, and then 2023. Those are the two years where you can be like, man, all those missed classes in 2017 are really hurting or 2018 are really, really hurting. That bad, bad class in 2021, that's where you really start hurting when, you know, when the Alex Palcheskis of the world are gone, when Kendrick Green is gone, when Vidarian Lowe is gone, when you have to revamp your entire wide receiver crew, that's when you start to realize, oh, <laughs> the Band-Aid worked for the short term, but the long term, there's still an underlying problem here where Levy doesn't really get the Cole College recruiting game yet. Yeah, I think to to kind of add on to that, I think this Band-Aid only works is when Illinois becomes successful because if they, you know, stay middle of the pack or lower than middle of the pack, they're not going to increase, you know, their skill in recruiting. Um, so that's when what, what Isaac said is really going to show, you know, in the next three, four years when they don't have good classes like at all. Um, so I think if this, you know, we're looking at this season, you know, with transfers like Luke Ford, Matter Baby, obviously Brandon Peters, all these guys, if they are able to contribute and Illinois is, you know, has a really good season, you know, maybe they'll be able to, you know, beef up their high school, um, you know, recruiting. Yeah. That's but, why I think this season is so important because to compare it to like the 07 season when Illinois goes to the Rose Bowl, the 08 recruiting class was really, really good. Like, I think we all have this expectation that Illinois should win between 
I think right now, I think we're all within like the six game minimum. I think seven is pretty realistic. If they add a piece on the defensive line through the transfer market with one of their last two scholarships, you maybe get up to eight wins. Um, they need a good season to get recruiting momentum because you've seen in the last couple of months and even the last year for basketball, how much a good season can do for just getting momentum. And that's something that only just hasn't had in football and recruiting. And there was a time last spring, right around the spring game, where you felt like they had it, where they get the kid from Chicago. Um, do you feel like you had you had a really good chance at landing A.J. Henning? You had a really good chance at landing Mookie Cooper. And you thought that you had a lot of momentum right after you landed Reggie Love. Um, but then it just did, it didn't come to fruition because those kids didn't have enough buy-in that Illinois was heading in the right direction. Like, yes, there's an $80 million facility, but you hadn't been to a bowl game yet. You hadn't seen success on the field, and now they go to a bowl game. They need 2020 to be a really good year. They can't just go 6-6 six and six again. They need to continue to improve so they can get buy-in from recruits. Well, I also think it, it comes down to uh, mentality of the staff, and I don't, I don't know if Lovey Smith and James Kirkland and some of the guys who are like ahead of those, you know, those, those – you know, how they recruit, how they view recruits. I don't know if they've got it yet. And that's the scary part because I do feel like some of the guys in the staff work really hard. Like Corey Patterson works hard, Bob McLean, Rod Smith. You can see like they're, they're sending out offers. Mike Bellamy works really hard. Like they're trying, but when you're head coach and when you're lead recruiting director, they, they look at recruiting maybe a different way, maybe the wrong way you could say, quote unquote, that's when you start to have issues. And like, you just don't want this to be the situation where all these transfers end up leading leaving and you get to a point where you need a recruiting class like 2017 again or you need to have 10 or 11 of those freshmen start like that's that's like the scary part and like the potential for that is very much alive and well in 2022 so if they don't change something with the way they view recruiting or the way they view in-state recruiting especially then you, you could be looking at it but again it could be all worth it in 2020 if you have an outstanding year because like let's be honest like if Illinois wins eight or nine games it is worth it but we're not here to win eight or nine games one time you want to build a long state long-term program that's always solid like an always an Iowa level and I don't know if Lovey Smith has done that has put Illinois in the best position to do that in the future beyond 2020. I just think something that I've thought a lot about when it comes to recruiting like they've have this brand new facility that everybody raves about and it is great like they're not making it up it's amazing and it's like that's such a I feel like that's a pretty big part in recruiting these days is just having those facilities you see what like Clemson has like all those you know LSU all these like renowned schools they have all these facilities we kind of Illinois kind of climbed up to that level this year and so it worries me that like you bring in a huge new facility like that you know you have some of these grad transfer successes and you're still not getting these high school guys because I feel like when it comes down to transfers I actually think I read this when uh, Matt Harms was transferring from Purdue and he said you know like I'm a grad transfer I'm 21 22 I don't care about like Nike deals I don't care about facilities anymore like I just want to play and so I think where the facilities and everything like that all this like fun stuff comes in is when you're recruiting these high school guys because transfer guys they just want to come and play and hopefully get to the pros and get exposure be on a decent team and play well these high school guys they want the whole package so I think it is worry it does worry me that Lovey and Illinois is kind of struggling in that group and like you said 
like 2017, those early classes, like you just had a bunch of guys who probably wouldn't have been on Illinois if it weren't for Lovey just needing people to be on his team. And so I think (laughs) that's why I think 2020, like we keep saying, is so big because if you don't hit that stride and hit that growth, you're going to end up with a class like that. And then we're just going to keep doing this like up and down roller coaster wave thing of like, okay, we get a little better. They win a couple more games and then we can't, they can't recruit. So it just plummets again. And I think if you, if Illinois ever wants to be, if Lovey ever wants to have like genuine success at Illinois, it's obviously starts at the high school recruiting. So it's definitely something I like, I find it like worrisome. Um, Obviously, you know, people might not see it like that because we have all these great transfers and, you know, force, this guy was a four-star prospect. So it kind of like patches up those, like, you know, like the holes in the wall for now, but I think it could really like come crumbling down if they don't kind of get it together this season. Yeah. I think like the biggest example of it is like those transfers came in and helped Illinois elevate from like a five win team to six wins bowl game. Right. But that wouldn't have happened if you didn't have the infrastructure really strong before with those 2017 classes. I mean, you had like, you had 15, 16 really quality starters and you brought these extra transfers in to get you over the hump. The transfers itself can't come in and be alone. They have to come into an infrastructure. And if there's no infrastructure there and you're just throwing transfers into the mix, then I think that's where you have an issue. Like the offensive line w- wasn't good last year because of Richie Pettibon. It was good because you had four other starters that had been playing for a long time. You, so you, I just don't expect them in 2021 to go out and, you know, go get two or three transfers and have the offensive line automatically be good because that's a position where you really need them to mesh. You need time. You need to be around each other. Move, throwing one guy in there is one thing. Throwing three or four in there because your guys that you recruited in 2017, 2018, and 2019 on the offensive line aren't ready to play right now, then you're really starting to struggle. Yeah, definitely. I think we all agree that this season is so important, not only for the future, but like for, for Lovey and his and his career at Illinois and, and everything. So, I mean, obviously we want them to see them you know, kind of get it right. But some guy that did really benefit from his one year at Illinois was Ole Batiku Jr., who obviously came in last year from USC, um, was a one-year guy, decided to forego his last year of eligibility, um, you know, for the NFL, didn't get drafted. But yesterday we found out he got picked up um, by the New York Giants. Um, Guys, what do you guys feel about this one? I was just – okay. I was just, like, personally – really happy to see him get picked up because I I don't know if if this is me but I feel like I was expecting him to get picked up in like the seventh round you know like a late pick but and then he didn't get picked up right after the draft ended which a lot of guys do so I think I was a little worried but I'm happy for him because I know we've all like um you know seen him or interviewed him whatever after games and he's honestly a really great guy to interview really great guy in the field I mean his ceiling is super high still going into the NFL. Um, and I think that is intriguing for some teams, but it can also put some teams off if they don't really feel like growing a player um, or, you know, just need a player who can go in and produce now. But personally, I'm just really happy he got picked up. I was a little surprised, maybe not surprised, but I was kind of hoping to see Reggie Corbin join a roster these last few days too. I kind of have, I, I feel like he'll, join one eventually make a camp or something um but yeah overall I'm just like happy to see he got picked up first of all I think 
Well, I echo that. Like, you're happy for Wally just because, you know, of his story and coming from Nigeria and he hasn't seen his family in a couple of years. And that's obviously a really good thing for him to be able to hopefully fulfill a dream and land an NFL roster after training camp. But I think for his personal development, it would have been huge to come back to Illinois for his senior season. And obviously from Illinois' standpoint, they're going to miss him a lot because they don't have very many proven defensive ends. And Yes, he had quality production. I think he had just below 20 solo tackles and I think seven or nine sacks, something like that. And you see him come back to Illinois, post those same numbers again against Big Ten opponents because a lot of those tackles and those sacks came against Akron, Eastern Michigan, UConn. Um, and he didn't have a lot of success against Big Ten opponents. And a lot of that, you know, goes to his ankle injury that he suffered and that forced him to miss a couple of games. But I think that's why you didn't see him get drafted. I think coming back to Illinois for another year, and if you post really good numbers, you see him potentially rise up to being a third-round pick maybe just because of how much raw talent he has. I mean, you don't see very many people look like Wally Beatty who does. I mean, he's a physical specimen in, like, all rights. Like, he's huge. Um, but the talent part is still developing a lot because when he was in high school, he was just able to use his – size and his muscle to just run over people and then he gets to college and he can't do that anymore and I think he still tries to do that and he can on certain players like on left tackle at Akron and a left tackle at UConn he can do that um he won't be able to do that in the NFL and he's gonna have to really lock down on the footwork and hand placement all those things to get into the backfield and I think another year at Illinois would have really benefited him um not just as a player but also in terms of his ability to get drafted yeah, I agree with you. I think that him coming back would have made sense, but I think there's a little bit more to the story than than just that. Like straight up, I agree. Like he should, if he came back and put up that season again, he'd had more film and he'd have been drafted. Probably he would probably have been drafted. And he probably would have been, you know, maybe in that second or third day been drafted. But I think when you talk to Wale and you like before the season when he was here, like he was really clear, like he wasn't coming to Illinois to be here for two years. He really wanted to be a one here and get out and it's because he's never seen his family in seven years like he hasn't seen them in a long time he just wants to get money right away to bring them over that's really admirable you know what I mean like I think that makes a lot of sense and two he also just doesn't want to be in school anymore because he's been in school now for like six years total and he is done with that he's got his bachelor's degree he's got his master's degree I mean an extra year of school what would that have done so like I, I get his decision I understand it from like a selfish perspective of like hey with Illinois like man it'd be really nice to have him but I also understood it from like you know where he's at in life and he's he's like 24 years old like when you're 24 like are you really want to be in school one more year you want to go to class like no you don't and so like I'm, I'm really happy for him that he latched on to a team I hope that he is like hope that he can contribute on special teams because that's really the only way that he's going to be able to make a roster just because there's they're going to be so many defensive linemen so hopefully he's able to stick and, and find his place and if you, I'm the Giants I definitely take a risk on him because former four-star guy five-star rec- recruit you saw a little bit of what he can do and if he can get a little bit more of NFL training like he's got every opportunity to be really really good one day so happy for Wale it sucks that Illinois doesn't get to have him but at least he's going to be able to pursue his NFL dream and Illinois helped him do that and Illinois can sell it whether you got drafted or whether you got picked up as an undrafted free agent Illinois can sell that and that that's important yeah definitely I was looking you know because you know Isaac obviously talked about you know him trying to stick to that roster and I was looking to see maybe how probable it would be for him to you know make it through the summer and possibly make the Giants roster you know 
I looked up, you know, Giants, you know, were 13th in rush defense. They were, you know, solid, not that good. They were 22nd in sacks. Um, and they didn't draft any D linemen. Um, they picked up some, obviously, after the draft. But um, I think there was between, like, 8 and 10 D linemen on that roster. Obviously, they have time to pick up more, do whatever. But, I mean, if he comes into the camp and, you know, shows and is an impact player, which he was in Illinois, he was an impact player right away, um, I think he has a good chance to maybe not, you know, make the full roster. But even if he doesn't, I mean, there's teams that need guys. You see guys, you know, move around in the summer all the time. So, you know, I think this is – this is, like Isaac said, a good thing for Illinois. Like, you can pitch to these guys, hey, come in, and you will be able to go pro if you perform and if you're an impact player. So, yeah, I think this is really good, and, you know, yeah. You want my uh, fun wildlife story? Oh, yeah, you talked about you had a story, Isaac. Okay, what's what's so, the story? <laughs> okay, so I don't know if I've actually ever told this story on a podcast. This is fun. So the first time that I met Wale, so they it was in spring football the year uh, – so this would have been spring football of 2019 before they before the fall semester. And so, like, they're having their spring game, and Trayvon Sidney and Wale Batiku show up on their visits and had been really hush-hush that they were coming, but we kind of knew they were going to be there. And so I was working for Jeremy Warren and Jeremy's like okay I'm talking to Trayvon you need to talk to Wale so I see Wale come out and this man it's like 80 degrees in spring football he's dressed in all black black sweatpants black shirt he is sweating profusely right away as he gets onto the thing he doesn't look that happy and I walk up to him I'm like hey Wale can I get you for an interview really quick and he turns to me and he straight up says in this very deep like very deep like harsh accent he goes no I hate reporters and I was like (laughs) oh no way and I was like okay I was like but I, I had to get him so I'm like um, well, it really will be quick. And I promise I'm not going to like, it's not going to be anything crazy. And then he like softened and then said, okay, fine. And he came over to do the interview and I was expecting this interview to be like trash. Cause he hates reporters or whatever. And he like gave me like this awesome interview for like 12 to 15 minutes. And he became like, I, for a little bit, like for a second there, I definitely saw my life flash before my eyes. Cause I thought he could kill me with one hand. But then like when he started talking, he's like one of the nicest people. And, and that's my wildlife story. He hates reporters and then <laughs> be the best interview on the team. I would yeah. never be able to tell that he hated reporters. Like all yeah. of his interviews are so great. And he always like seems so gracious. Like I would never be able to tell that. That's, that's what, what I was just about to say. Like, at all the like posting press conferences, like he was like smiling, he's like answering, qu- like he gives really good answers. So that's actually <laughs> maybe he was just like in a bad mood and didn't want to talk. And maybe. you know, I don't know. Well, I think that he might have had maybe some bad experiences with reporters in the past at USC. And then when he came and realized that the Illinois media is like the best media in the country, then he like softened up. That's that's my thing. <laughs> That's we need I- to have, you know how um, they've been doing like all the Twitter polls, like uh, like for basketball, like March Madness moments. We need a like best, a best media, best media groups because think- you know Illinois would go hard for us. Like you know, yeah, I do think we would have a really good chance to be good. I got like Iowa's isn't all that crazy. Indiana's is crazy. They get a lot of media. Michigan and Michigan State's pretty crazy, but like Illinois is like top five in the big 10 for sure twitter. and with how crazy illinois twitter is we probably get a lot of votes so so if, if lovey and brown underwood gave us a quick shout out i um, think the, the thing about it though is the, the fact that illini fans ride illini for anything like anything. it doesn't matter whatever they will vote they don't care what it is and like literally they show up which is so good to see but so i really wanted to like 
when I was working with Inquire, I really wanted to make myself like a draft profile on 24-7 Sports <laughs> and like, like, like do a fake draft one and like pretend like I was really interested in Illinois to see how many people would not pay attention to the Twitter handle and just like start retweeting it. Cause they are so like on it, like they're on it. I really feel like you could, I feel like that one could have gone like decently good, like maybe 10 retweets and a hundred likes. If I announced that I got an offer from Illinois and I was such a, I was a fake recruit the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) No, Illinois fans are insane and very good and some not so very good ways, but I think you just have to, take what you get sometimes and I mean I feel like you don't see too many of the like bashing on like recruit like obviously I I don't get the whole point of like tweeting at recruits and like you know come to Illinois like okay they're not listening to you Steve with like your five (laughs) followers but like but I think for the most part you don't see like any Illinois fans saying like horrible things or I mean there's the select few Isaac had a run-in but (laughs) there's just like (laughs) But I feel like that's my takeaway to all young journalists. Don't tweet about meth in anything other than a positive way, or there's something. (laughs) I remember that. (laughs) Everyone wrote for Isaac on that one. We all did. Joking. Like, I was just joking. Like, that guy took it so personal. I guess this man had never seen Breaking Bad, which I just, I don't know, man. I don't know. (laughs) Yes, if you're confused. Isaac tweeted about meth in terms of breaking bad, not actual meth, but yeah. yeah. That was, I think I tweeted that Bill Belichick's son looked like he was from breaking bad. Oh yeah, yes. yeah. Like he was on breaking bad and someone took it extremely way too seriously and was like going after me that I hate meth people who are on meth. And <laughs> it was a deep, deep Twitter dive. That was fun. He like, he went after me like 55 times. I think it was what it was over and over. It was, it was one insane. That's yeah. the worst when you have someone just come after you on Twitter over and over and impressive. over and over again. I know. I was pretty impressed with his uh, will to really p- make his point. <laughs> There's a guy who always does that for me too. And I'm just like, all right, like you can call me like an average journalist. Like I'm, that's fine. Like I'm <laughs> sophomore in college. Like I'm just learning, man. Like chill. <laughs> that's how it is sometimes. Well, Isaac. Illinois fans though, for sure. You've uh, moved on from, I mean, you still obviously talk about it and cover it a little bit, but you move on to Minnesota. Um, you tweeted a lot, and I, I listened to some of your podcasts about the draft. What do you think about this Minnesota Vikings draft class? Oh, man, I think they did really good. And I, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things, like, I don't know this roster all that great, so I've just kind of been, like, use, like deep diving to try to get, understand everything that's going on. But they set the record for the most picks. Um, in a single draft, they got 15 picks this year, and you look at about four of them that like, could be day one impact starters, and that's kind of the thing. They came in having like four major holes, and they filled it. So I, I just was really impressed with the way they do things, and you know, this is like the first time I've ever like, you know, you you, you watched the draft before, but this is like the first time I was like really involved with it, and so it was like cool to see their process and how they viewed things and how the board shook out for them. And you know, Justin Jefferson from LSU is a wide receiver that we all watched a ton, like we all watched. LSU games um but he they got him in the first round they got another corner that's been really good but I think my big takeaway maybe from the draft is like when you cover like 
like when we were covering Illinois football, you guys were all there. Like you're there all day long on Saturdays. You don't get to watch as much other college football. And like, so like some of these guys, I'm like, I haven't seen a snap of, you know, Jeff Gladney from TCU. I haven't seen a snap of Ezra Cleveland there. Cause I didn't watch any Boise state football this mm-hmm. year. So it's just like, I'm, I maybe I'm looking forward to a little bit that, a little bit to that next fall where I'll have my, have my Saturdays open a little bit so I can watch a lot more college football. Just cause like when you cover Illinois, like you're just watching Illinois all day long. Yeah, no, definitely. I think the thing about Minnesota with that draft class is like, obviously they lost Stefan Diggs, um, traded him away, but you know, getting Jefferson back, like, if he can be an instant playmaker, like they didn't really lose much. So the way I'm looking at this NFC North right now is that, you know, the Vikings, obviously the Packers, I think will still be on top. uh, If everything plays out like it will be last year. Um, But the Vikings can easily make a run for it. You know, I don't feel like anybody got tremendously better, but nobody got worse. You know what I mean? I mean, you could argue that the Packers didn't really help their roster all that much with their first couple picks. Like, their first pick is a backup quarterback, their second pick is a backup running back, and their third pick is a backup tight end. Like, so you could argue that maybe the Packers didn't separate themselves. But I agree with you. I think like my big my big thing from this draft is I thought the Vikings got better. I thought that the 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 Bears filled a lot of their holes, and they're and I think they bounce back next year, especially if Foles just gives you you know mediocre to average quarterback play. And then I thought the Lions did all right too with some of the picks that they have. So I think one through four, the NFC North is going to be really really competitive next year. I don't know who's going to win it. I really honestly don't, and it's going to be really fun just to see it all break down. Like I think the Lions really might have a chance because like people forget like how good Matt Stafford was playing before he got hurt. They have like you could argue they have some of the best wide receivers in the in the, in the division. So it, it's just going to be fun. And like the Vikings are good, the Packers are good, the Bears I think will bounce back and be good. So it, it's going to be just so much fun to to see this you know see this division like attack each other, maybe shred each other apart. And maybe that maybe the division winners nine and seven. That that I don't think that's that inconceivable. I'm happy you mentioned the Lions there because I loved – I mean, it was pretty obvious that they were going to take Okuda, but I just loved that pick. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if he's the best overall player in this draft for a long time. I know a lot of people projected to be Chase Young and yeah, no, I, he very well could be, and he did a lot of great things in his time at Ohio State. But you just look at how athletic and versatile Okuda is at playing the cornerback position. He seems to be able to make breaks on any pass, can deflect it or even intercept it and take it to the house. Like, I, I love Okuda. I think he's going to be a great player for the Lions in a long time. And, yep. you know, you see, like, the tweets that, like, someone tweeted something like, you just got to feel bad for him because he's going to the Lions. But, like, you hope that he's able to have a really good career there and he's able to win something. Like, he's a really good player. He is. Sorry, my I uh, opened up the Lions draft to see the whole thing, and that's why I have a little bit of music came on. <laughs> <laughs> No, I agree with you though on Okuda. Like, I I really did like him. The funny start uh, story about that was they were trying desperately to trade out of that pick, and no one would trade with them. No one would like move up to the three. So, but then he was there, and they end up taking him. And they need they needed a, a corner so bad just because like you look at you look at like the division. You have Allen Robinson with the Bears that he's gonna have to go shut down. You have Devontae Adams with the Packers, and then you have Adam Thielen and, and Jefferson with the Vikings. So it's like they really desperately needed him. I also like their DeAndre Swift pick like a lot of people didn't love that one like their running game was not very good last year and I like Swift way more than like carry on Johnson or like whoever else they were gonna have run the football so they got better they really did get better and like you know I I don't know like 
I, I just looked at like Vegas the other day and like they were saying like the Lions are like plus, you know, a thousand, ten to one to win the division. That's a pretty darn good bet with, you know, how competitive I think the NFC North is going to be. Yeah, definitely. Gabby. I have, oh, well, I was going to ask an NFC North question because if anybody doesn't know by now, I'm a Steelers fan, so I don't really care about the Bears, but. <laughs> Team Juju. Being, yeah, I got my Judy shirt on. But being friends with so many Bears people, I feel like I just know too much. But um, who do you guys think is the starter, Mitch or Nick? I don't think you trade for Nick without starting him. Yeah. And so I, I, I go Nick. I think he's the guy. And they're setting up perfectly to try to go get Fields or Lawrence next year. Because they yep. can – they can get rid of Mitch after this year, and then Foles only has one more year of like guaranteed, and he can be the backup. So like, oh my gosh, what if the Steelers take Mitch Trubisky? No. What? All right, wait. What if the Steelers took Cam? No, I see. Me and Brendan have been. I don't want Cam Newton. He's too injury prone. He's not my franchise quarterback. I want some. I want build from the ground up. I want to. Once Ben's done, wipe it out. I don't want Mason Rudolph either. Keep Duck as my backup, and I want like a fresh quarterback. I want to build like. But why get, can't you get Cam Newton and then have somebody draft somebody under him? And if Cam's only going to be there for a year or whatever, anyway. Because what's he going to do for me? Healthy Cam Newton is so good, though. He's good if he stays healthy, which he can't. You can say do. that about Ben. Ben, no, 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 no. Ben, when's the last time Ben missed a season? Never. It was only this year because he plays through injuries. Sorry he's not a wussy quarterback. <laughs> like some of you guys have experienced. Jay Cutler. <laughs> so that's I mean, every player's always hurt in the NFL. Like there's always you always have some injury that you could fix and you kind of don't because it's like, okay, I don't really want to miss a season. Ben has probably had this elbow injury for like years and years and years. And he just plays through it and he plays through it well. Okay. Yes, he's getting old. You don't have to make that argument with me. I think we only have one good year of Ben left and that's fine. I'll take it this year. I think, okay, as a biased fan, whatever, I think we have a good chance to make a Super Bowl run. I'm not saying to make the Super Bowl. Right. No, but I, th- I think that's a great point, but that helps my point, which is what my point would be is I don't think you're – I agree with you. I don't think Cam's the long-term answer at Pittsburgh, but there is no downside to signing him to a one-year prove-it deal this year where he can come in and be the backup just in case because if you genuinely think your roster is good enough to make a run to the Super Bowl and Ben gets hurt, it's over. And you, oh, Mason yeah. isn't going to do that. And I think Cam gives you a much better chance to – continue to not waste a year of Juju, not waste a year of TJ Watt, not waste a year of this roster that you've built. And if you can get him for a year, there's no up, there's no downside to it. If, if he doesn't play fine, if he does play great. I guess the only thing is Steelers have zero money. Um, I'm pretty sure they're like, they've been like cutting contracts, like rearranging contracts um, because they literally have their like to the salary cap. So I think that also plays a role in it because everybody wanted them to take James Winston. Everybody wanted them to take Jalen Hurts, whatever. I just genuinely don't think as much as I don't really want Cam Newton because I don't trust him to like not get injured or something. But I think it also comes down to the money. And I think you're, I don't think, the Steelers organization, like they're very prideful in what they do. And I don't think they're willing to like cut other contracts just to sign a one-year quarterback. 
I feel that. I feel that. I And you're right. They don't have a ton of money, but I do think that the market for cams at all time low. So you might be able to get them cheaper than you think. Cause I mean, you got Jameis for 1.1 million. That's with all the incentives included. Like that, that's the type of market you get. Cause there's really no other place for cam to go. At this yeah. Point. I wonder if you offer him like a million bucks, if he'd, if he'd show up or if he just stop you and bounce. I agree on that. The only like the, I'm drawing a blank, but the offensive coordinator or quarterbacks coach, I forget which one, has like said they're, which I don't agree with, has said they're confident in Mason. And I, yeah, I don't agree with that. Um, I what think. What are you supposed to say though? You know, he sucks. I, like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you don't have to say he sucks, but you feel like you at some point you have to acknowledge that that's not your franchise quarterback either. And I don't think they might not be looking at him as the franchise quarterback, but I don't even think he's like a temporary solution because you saw what he did last year. And I think he kind of got thrown into the fire and then, you know, the whole Miles Garrett situation happened and then Duck came in and played like two okay games and then plummeted like he would because he's not good. He's not like an NFL starter. And then you have Mason come back in for that one game, get hurt again. So I think he never had time to like pick up a flow. And I think he could be a solid backup, but I don't think he'd be, like you said, like if Big Ben goes down again, he's not taking us. He's not taking us anywhere. You know, we could make the playoffs if like Ben plays long enough to where we already have a solid record. But other than that, like, I, I think I personally, I'm riding on Ben staying healthy this whole year, which is difficult because he is old. Um, and like Brendan likes to bring up um, that Ben can't play anymore. And Ben's too old to play because Brendan's just a hater. But I He's think a 38 year old that looks 48. Good. Underestimate him because he has <laughs> oh, like a beard. Okay. Please. That's not the only reason. <laughs> yeah, he's out of shape. You know what? Look at that. Has Ben Roethlisberger ever been in great shape? Let's answer that one first. No. And historically, no. he's he's a he's a really good quarterback. I just yeah, like giving him trouble. I'll just leave that at that. I that think is I also true. Question for you in terms of 2021. You mentioned the Bears being in good position to go get a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields. Do you think those two quarterbacks go one and two in the NFL draft? And do you think teams would be able to trade into those two spots if they want a quarterback and the teams that are slotted there based off record have a quarterback that they're somewhat confident in and going to the future? Yeah, I think I think there's a legitimate chance that you can trade up. Uh, and try to get one of those guys. I don't know if they're going to go one or two because Oregon has a really good um, offensive lineman that, you know, all the nerds just love. Like, they just love Oregon. They <laughs> You're an offensive line guy. I do. I, I do, but I haven't I, – like, I'm not going to lie. I've not watched a ton of Oregon football <laughs> offensive linemen, so maybe I'll have some time now in the quarantine to watch that. But they all these all these people love him. So I think he's in the mix for number one. But you're right. Like, Trevor Lawrence is going to be number one. And you're, there's so many teams here that have their franchise guy. And, you know, if say the Cardinals have a really bad year and Kyler yeah. – and they're the number two pick like they're not going to pick Justin Fields they're just not they built all around Kyler like they're not going to do that so like I think that's where a situation where like the Bears maybe the Patriots maybe the Steelers I think the Steelers are very much in that mix where they could they could be in a position to trade up and I think that's where like this season like with the Bears like you know I I wouldn't say I'm like the biggest Bear fan but I definitely have been in the past and like that's where I look at this year and I go you know if they stink that's okay because they could be in a position to be at nine and move up from nine to two or three to get a quarterback. And then, you know, if they play really well, 
then we're good, right? Then you're fine. Like you, you take what you can and you move forward. So I do think that there's going to be an opportunity for teams to make a bigger jump up, but that could also raise the price up of those top picks. And don't forget, there's also one other quarterback that's pretty good from North Dakota State. His name's like Trey Lance. He threw for 28 touchdowns and no interceptions last year. And he rushed for over 1,100 yards as a true as a, as a redshirt freshman. So he's really, really good. They think he's like the next Carson Wentz. So that that was going to lead into my next question was if you know there is a team like the cardinals like you said who has the first or second overall pick if they would drive the price up for trading up into the number one pick if you're a team like the bears or the steelers that wants to get into a position to draft trevor lawrence or justin fields whoever they feel good about at that point um if they would have to give up more than they would traditionally have to give up to get the number one or number two or three overall pick it'd be, it'd be a really steep price. And it's just like, it's like, I think Jacksonville's probably in best position to get the number one pick because like, they're just like flaming hot trash this year. Like their roster's horrific. So I think they'll get the number one pick and get Lawrence. And then that second or third pick is where you can see teams, you know, there might be teams that offer a really high price, but not take it because they like that Penne Sewell kid from Oregon that they want to add their offensive line. But like, I think Indy's going to be in the mix. Detroit's going to be in the mix. The Bears, the Steelers. I think Denver could be in the mix. Washington could be in the mix. Like, all of those teams could drive the price up where we could see, you know, an astronomical trade up from, you know, nine or 10 to two. Like, think about like what, think about what the Bears gave up to move up for Mitch. Like, I think you might have to like be even bigger than that to move up. And like the Jared Goff trade potentially that the Rams made? Yeah, like a lot. Like a, that'd, be a, that'd be a franchise changing move to get a franchise changing player. Well, as a Bears fan, I wouldn't be opposed to it because I'm tired of watching media, mediocrity at quarterback. So. Oh, no. I, I mean, and I think this is an opportunity. I really genuinely think it's an opportunity to go get one where if you like, even like, I even thought like the Vikings could be in the mix. And then I look at like the numbers and like they're paying cousins like 33 million a year. And like his cap hits like well over 22 every single year. So like, they're just not going to be able to do it, which is why like a lot of these teams are hamstrung where you really have an opportunity here to make you know, a run for one of these top two or three guys and change your franchise for good. And like, remember like a few years ago when there were like what, five, six quarterbacks taken in the first round, like the one with like Darnold and Rosen and Lamar. Like, I don't, I don't remember the last time where there's really only been like three people, the three teams that are genuinely trying to get a quarterback, like 29 teams aren't like, that's just crazy to me. I also find it really interesting too. You know, you mentioned earlier, like the lions could have a chance to, maybe compete for an NFC North. And if they go eight and eight or seven and nine or somewhere within that range, like you see the bears potentially doing or um, teams that aren't going to win 10 or more games. Like at that point, you're in like the 15 to like 20 range where you're not getting a great player, but you're not getting a horrible player. Like, I think you see those teams more willing to trade up to get an elite quarterback. If that's what they're missing. Like, I feel like you look at the bears and they're missing, like their defense is obviously there. They have every position on the defense that they feel good about, except a DB Um, quarterback is obviously like the one thing you give them a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields, even as a rookie, I think a lot of people would feel much better about the bears roster, even the lions roster, or um, just going forward that those teams could make a legitimate run at a long-term Super Bowl window. Yeah, and it's, it's it feels like those teams, like the, the Colts, the Steelers, the Bears, and the Lions are those four teams that I look at and I go, those, and Denver, those five teams are like built to win right now. They need one player. Other teams like Jacksonville needs like eight, you know, like <laughs> New England needs a lot more guys. Like they're not built to win right now. So my cat's making an appearance. So <laughs> for now. 
Okay, yeah. I have a personal question, Isaac. Not even yeah. personal, but um, are you like gonna be the main beat writer for the Vikings in the fall? Yeah, that's what their plan is for now. So uh, they want me at all, they want me at all the home games for sure. We still have to talk with the travel budget to see if I'm like flying out to these other games. So have you already like done any interviews with Vikings players or coaches? Yeah, we've done like the Zoom calls for all of the draft is what we were on there. So they set those up, which were pretty fun. Like Mike Zimmer is like Mike Zimmer's like Lovey, like the head coach for Minnesota. Like he just doesn't talk. Like Lovey doesn't talk. Like they're very like straight. They're very much like old school football dudes. <laughs> That's how, how how different is it from like the Illinois like setting or like just a college setting in general. Yeah. I mean, I think the the main difference is like, I haven't actually got to interview any of like the veterans yet. I've only talked to like the just drafted guys. So they're like college guys that I'm used to, but like, I think the biggest difference will be talking like 35 year old men. Like that's a way different story than like talking to like a 22 year old who I play basketball with at the arc. Like that's just a different, that's just a different di- uh, dilemma there. But honestly, it's all football. It's always the same. And I think like, I think college guys are definitely more nervous to talk to us. You know, they're harder interviews. And I think that might prepare all of us like a little bit better for when we get into like the real world. And like when we start talking to adults, that's when we can really start like getting even better stories. Like cause some of these college guys, I mean, we, you know, you guys know, like these college guys, they're just not good talkers yet. And a lot of these other guys are very well seasoned with the media and that's where you can get even better stories. Well, yeah, they've been talking to people since they were like, in high school yeah like young 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 and now they're like you said again like, their 30s i think that that'll be interesting yeah. for you to let us know about It'd be crazy i'm i'm excited i i, I don't know like hopefully we have football because if we don't have football that's gonna be a big problem and then i'm gonna have to like go scrambling to try to find something else to do yeah definitely well, As you guys, Isaac, yeah, a follow-up oh, question about pj fleck have you had an opportunity to talk to your favorite big 10 coach yet and I, really <laughs> dive deep into that relationship building that you just are yeah, dying to so, build I'm sure yeah that's right my so the funny story is is like pj fleck and richard patino are like the two coaches i hate the most in big 10 <laughs> then i get up here and i met richard patino and he's actually super nice like i have to give him credit like he's super nice like i don't know if he's like the best coach or the best you know with his recruiting but like as a guy he's really nice i'm done with pj like he just annoys me but the problem is is like he's so stinking good like he's so good they got eight recruits in less than a month and none of them visited campus and three of them were That's their crazy. top recruits of all time like like that's just like he's just like he's he's different like he is just different and it's really resonating with a lot of recruits right now so i might not like him but he i can't take anything away from him he's he's recruiting all over lovey like he's just crushing well isaac uh we're so happy for you that you've taken this next step in your career and uh thank you so much for joining us um for gabby for alec for me um this has been the daily Atlanta sports podcast